Welcome to the Making a Runner podcast. I'm your host, Nick, a running specialist, biokineticist, and coach. And I'm your co-host, Davey, aka Davey on the Run. Through our shared knowledge and experience, we unpack the fascinating topic of running. We speak to coaches, athletes, subject matter experts, and everyday enthusiasts to help you improve your running. And ensure that you enjoy every step of the way, wherever the road or trail may take you. This is how runners are made. It's how runners are made, baby. Oh yeah. When I can't compete one day, definitely that doesn't mean I'll like hang up my, my shoes. I still want to be that old buddy that's cruising around the mountains, whether it's just hiking. I think it's having that, that connection with nature. So important and for me i've always said it's like my form of meditation or just being able to disconnect and and be present and forget about like all your problems and actually just be present and i think also i always say like to people like a long a long run or being out in the mountain on your own for a while definitely can can solve a lot of the world's problems um often feel like i don't know life is so busy so connected it's like so heated like you in in the the moment like things get tense whereas i find sometimes if i just go out into the mountains even if it's just like a, a 60 minute run it doesn't have to be like kind of four days or super long like just being away from away from everything you can actually it just you can just like zoom out and actually just look at the bigger picture and realize like okay like that makes like sense like you don't need to be so like heated in, in, in the moment Nicola Davide, my man. It's been a good few weeks for us, hasn't it? It's been a while, hey. The, the <laughs> last time we chatted, we were we were debriefing from Cape Town Marathon, but since then, quite a lot has happened. Firstly, I'm a Boca Boca, yeah, back to back world champions. That was an absolutely wild ride. Yeah, and if any of you watch Davy on his socials, you know that he's an avid supporter of the box and he's supporter gold and green from foot to green to and gold, head. green and gold. <laughs> but uh, that was an absolutely wild time, and it was just really cool to see how how the Rugby World Cup and the Springbok sport brought our nation together. How sport can do that for a nation, for um, sure. and that whole team. I just take my hat off. I know this is not a rugby podcast, but I just you know. I feel that needed to be said. And I think it's a good intro to the guest that we have today because, I mean, for us, ever since we started the podcast, there was a few names that we, we put onto that list. And Elliot Kipchoge. <laughs> being one of them. <laughs> Karastain. Karastain. We ticked that box. But Ryan Sands. Ryan guys, Sands. From the beginning, we, we wanted to have a conversation with Ryan Sands. He is arguably one of the most iconic, legendary trail runners the world has ever seen. And he is South African, you know, he is one of our proud South African athletes, still lives in the country, uh, does so much for the sport all over the world. And as we've said in our newsletter this week, Ryan Sands is for trail running just as much as Sia Khaleesi is for that Webb Ellis Cup. So that is, that is beautiful. <laughs> that, was, that gave me goosebumps. <laughs> but before we get on to discussing that conversation, we do have some exciting news to bring to our listeners, especially the long-time listeners of the podcast. Perhaps, Davey, you can share your news with the, with the listeners. Well, the news is that come April 2024, uh, Rossi Fick is going to be uh, born into the world, and um, he's named Rossi after the after the obviously the, the coach of the Springboks. Uh, but but pretty much, uh, I'll take any name from the starting 15 team, all all the all the bench, all the reserves. Yeah, as well, well. Actually, we're actually taking requests, guys. Yeah, we're so actually re- taking reach requests. Out to us. Yeah, join Patreon, and you can send some requests in there. But yeah, we're, Kath and I are both super excited. Um, 
Kat is at the moment now sitting here, she's coming on 15 weeks. So it makes it quite an interesting time um, because one of the first questions I had to Catherine when I found out that she was pregnant was, can I still run Comrades? Because I started doing some quick maths and realized that uh, uh, Rusty is going to be one <laughs> month old uh, by the time Comrades rolls around. But what is even more of an immediate risk is is two oceans marathon, mm. which is, is it was right around that uh, that that um, that pregnancy date. So so we were having a crossed. bit of a laugh today <laughs> on our run because Davy's wife's birthday ends up always being on comrades. Now their one year anniversary ends up being on Cape Town Marathon, which is arguably the biggest marathon in the country. And his son's birthday might end up being on two, on oceans, two oceans. You know, but Roughly it's fine. So. I don't need these big events. You know, <laughs> it is fine. But I currently am in talks with all three events. Try and move the dates so so we'll see how that goes good luck with that one and on top of that guys we have to apologize a little bit because of uh because of this davy's mind has been a little (laughs) bit all over the place and you know we had booked ryan sands a few months ahead of time and it just so happened to be that the week that we were recording with ryan davy found himself in cape Cape town Town without any recording equipment without any recording equipment so you do hear him coming in and out of the conversation but we were there for the 12 week scan okay so So i wasn't there on holiday i was you know okay it was important but yes the quality on this episode is not what you guys are going to be used to i was unfortunately more, more from the host i mean the quality from the host, with ryan yes. that's that's absolutely fine so i think from a inside perspective you are going to be able to gain as much insight as you do from any of our other episodes and we're really really excited to bring it to you we speak to ryan about his extensive running career spanning decades we right from his first marathon to his most iconic adventures that he's done throughout the world we speak about his most recent uh, utmb attempt that we actually managed to finish the loop after so many attempts and failures and we chat to him about the future the future of his trail running career as well as the future of his involvement in the community and trail running as a whole and i think for me it was also just uh, you know realizing that you know well, for most of my life ryan sands has been the biggest trail runner in my mind being South African and he's he's got that celebrity status and just talking to him and just realizing he's such a down-to-earth guy he's done so much for the sport he started you know pretty much from the bottom and built his way up and he has so much knowledge and he just has so much passion for the industry and he's giving back through the whole live to run foundation so I think it was a really enjoyable conversation I think for anybody that loves trail running this is a real goodie yeah um, for anyone that loves running Anyone that loves running. So guys, please sit back, relax, or if you're on a run, we hope that you're having a fantastic run, but enjoy the show with Ryan Sands. Ryan, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us today. It's it's a real pinch me moment for, I think, both myself and Davey to have someone like you come onto the show and we really just appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yeah, really cool. Cool to be chatting. Looking forward to it. Yeah, man, you you've had a hell of a busy time. We've been trying to we've been trying to chat to you for for a while, and I know at the time you were in in the weeks leading up to UTMB, so I know that was an extremely busy time. And obviously, since then, you haven't really had any time to really take off and and catch up. How, how's it been going recently? I mean, you were down at Otter, then down at uh, obviously your marathon trail in in Cape Town. How how's things been going, man? Yeah, I guess I've been been keeping busy, but um, definitely running wise, I, I took it pretty easy post UTMB, and actually felt like I was bouncing back quite quite quickly. Um, but then I did actually pick up the the training again, and then 
felt like I was still, still a bit fatigued. But um, yeah, back into back into training. But like you mentioned, also we had uh, Cape Town Trail Marathon uh, two weekends ago. I was at, at the Otter and just um, yeah, I guess it's coming towards the end of the year now. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stuff to to wrap up, but all exciting stuff. Um, I think for for me. As long as I'm passionate about it and I love what I what I do, I don't I don't see it as, as hard work. For sure, man. I yeah, I think you're extremely fortunate that sort of your your work is something that a lot of people look towards as you know this this incredible thing that you get to do. You know, you you love it. You get to do the running that you do. You travel around the world like you do. But it it must also take quite a lot of toll on the body, on the family, and just managing that schedule must be quite intense. So going into the end of the year yeah. after such a massive year of training, how how's the body feeling? You say uh, you got him back into a couple of races. How did it recover post UTMB? Yeah, like uh, I guess uh, without going into, into UTMB, like in, in too much depth now um, probably like the middle middle part of, of the race was a lot slower than than what I planned so I actually thought I, I bounced out of the, the race physically feeling actually pretty good and then also mentally I was I was quite like um, to to get him back into the, the swing of things I guess for, for me like UTMB super stoked to actually do complete the full full lap and actually get it done and um, this time um, but at, at, at the same time obviously disappointed with with my results and knowing that I'm, I'm back in for UTMB next year wanting to like move forward and um, kind of yeah, start, start building that, that base for, for next year I was quite keen to jump back into training um, which has been so so uh, yeah I definitely there's probably a little bit more fatigue in my legs than what I thought um, I think my engine general fitness it's pretty good from spending like five weeks in, in, in Europe um, training. Um, there was definitely a lot of focus on, on training and without kind of jumping around too much, actually I had a stress fracture towards the end of, of, of last, or no, not towards the end, so it was quite, quite early on, but I actually started running again towards the end of last year and um, signed up with a, with a coach, Jason, Jason Coop, um, for the our previous four four or five years I was I was self coach. So it was really cool to have a have a coach again. And I think just also where the sport's headed it's just so much more professional now. Um if you look at all the young guys coming through it's literally just kind of train, sleep and, and eat type thing. It's very, very focused, a lot more scientific. Where possibly um in yeah, I'd say um probably from like twenty seventeen or so onwards I've done a lot, lot more projects. Also, been involved with other things, not just from like a training point of view, which has been really cool. And I think it's it's led to me having a, a long career in terms of um, not just kind of waking up and training every day and doing other th- things like being involved with events and having something like thirteen peaks, doing like corporate talks and etc. So um, I think I've I've needed that to to, to kind of prolong my, my career but um, jumping back to to starting training with with Jason like I said my big goal is to is to is UTMB um, and like immediately um, he gave me some some great advice and like realized I needed to try and clear out some of like the the other stuff that, that kept me so busy and, and put more emphasis on training um, especially definitely like my volume of, of training has been a lot more this year as opposed to like the previous years, which is it's been really good. And also, I've just been way more um, consistent with what what I needed 
for for UTMB and and preparation wise. Um, but having said said all of that, obviously when you're kind of training a lot more, it does does leave me feeling pretty pretty tired. So I'm definitely yeah, I think towards the end of like a full year of of, of training, feeling a bit a bit tired. Uh, but also like mentally, uh, yeah, I still still think I've got hopefully got got one more race left in me. Um, towards uh, the end end, end of, of the year. So, yeah, I guess cool, that's, that's where I, where I am oh. now. Yeah. If, if you're feeling tired, then, uh, then cheapest, and we have no excuse to be feeling tired, Nick, because, Bro, wow, that's, marathon <laughs> that's running a jam-packed year. <laughs> marathon running. Yeah. Trail, trail running is easy, Davey. We talk about it all the time. Come yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Ryan, I just wanted to yeah. ask, obviously you mentioned about that stress factor. Um, can you can you tell us more about that and just maybe how you managed it, how you trained, you know, during that, or if you if you you know took a full break? Um, obviously, we've been you know we have conversations for our listeners about the the um, topic of injury prevention, injury maintenance, and you know what to do if you have an injury. So nice to hear it, uh, you know, from someone like you in terms of how you manage that. Yeah, so basically, uh, Rainer Crystal and myself, we did a project early last year, in April last year, we circumnavigated Lesotho on foot. And I guess with a lot of projects and concepts, it always looks a lot, a lot easier than what it actually is when you kind of draw a circle around Lesotho and on a smallish map, it, you think like, how, how bad can, can that, uh, that be? And then you actually go out and do the project and, yeah, we had, Terrible weather it was basically raining the, the whole time and, and flooding and super, super cold. So, um, and also just underfoot, it was just like super, super rough. Um, we're following the, the border, but a, a lot of the time there was no trail. We just kind of, kind of follow the, the path of, of least resistance, which was, was, was very challenging. So yeah, post challenge, um, actually, um, apart from being like super tired and stuff, like I didn't actually feel that like anything was wrong. And then it was only like a month later when I started getting in, into some training, I just had this really sharp pain, like in the in, inside of my, my hip. Yeah. And then, and then after a week, uh, went for an MRI and I yeah, discovered I had a, had a stress fracture, yeah. um, which was actually, it was in both sides of, of, of my sacrum. I was only actually feeling it in on, on the right side. Um, but yeah, I think for me, that was like the first time I'd actually, I want to say like broken my body from um, running. Uh, like before, I've done ligaments, my ankle, etc. But it's all been like um, like sudden in- injury. It hasn't been like an overuse injury where you've just kind of really yeah. just overdone it. So, so for me, uh, yeah, it was it was quite a big big deal mentally to bounce back from from that. But I did realize, and um, I'd spoken to some of my Salomon uh, teammates in the international team. A few of them had had stress fractures in the past and their advice was just like take the time off make sure it recovers um 100 and um, i know there's always the stories of guys like you rest for four weeks and then you jump on a bike and yeah get into running too quickly and and the injury comes back so i took literally i think it was like eight weeks off completely and then started doing a bit of um swimming and it was and then it was only after like 10 weeks that i started doing some some hiking um, and then I think it was like 13 weeks or so that I, I started doing some some running. So it was like a massive break, which I think in many ways was actually pretty good for me. It's the first time I've never had a, yeah. an extended 
break for for that 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 long. But at that at the same time, it's taken me a long time to come back from that. Um, to be honest, I still think like I'm on the on the comeback for, like uh, process from that. I'm um, just chatting to to Jason, who's my my coach. He's like, you almost need like two years of consistent training to kind of be at your at your best again. So it definitely has taken. A lot, and I think mentally, I remember some of those the, those first hikes when I did like a first descent, and my calves started cramping, and I was like, "Geez, if I'm my calves cramping on a hike, like, how, am I have I like lost everything? Um, yeah. Am I ever going to be able to come back?" So it was really like quite a like it plays mind games with you, and also I guess your your, your confidence um, or my, my confidence definitely uh, like started off at at, at zero. So. Um, yeah, it's been a it's been a long journey back. It's been tough, but I think also like rewarding. And yeah, I don't know. For, for me, I felt like I literally started from from the beginning again. So oh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, been <laughs> tough tough at times. But like I said, I, I think it's all all part of the the journey, and it's definitely made me grow and and evolve as as an athlete and as as a person. Well, it's uh, it's those setbacks that you know, yeah. push you forward onto bigger and greater things as you often so mention um but i want to ask you before we move on to to talking more about your journey from that injury to obviously your your fantastic achievement at utmb i know you said it's a disappointment but i think considering the the other attempts at utmb it's a it's a success and if if you listen to the coach's advice you know that if you just keep on progressing it between now and and the new year um you know that you can really expect good things going back to to Chamonix next time but why why navigate Lesotho because I know that you you're into a bit of your crazy adventures and and that's a that's a big element of you know keeping in nature and being part of the trail running journey for you all along the way even through the Himalayas and all those things that you have done uh we obviously know Lesotho we've been up into Lesotho high Lesotho a few times it's a hell of a tough place if uh, people can't quite understand what it's like unless you've been uh you've been up there you think oh it's an escarpment once you're at the top everything's just flat but it, it really isn't like that and even just following your journey in Lesotho through social media there was many times there where you were sort of hating the process you know like not not really enjoying like why am I even yeah, why am I doing this? Um, why do you put yourself through all these things, man? Yeah, I, I guess going back to like Lesotho and Himalayas and all those ad- adventures. I think for me, um, like I started off my career running the the Neisner Marathon, and then um, very quickly discovered trail running. And I think for me, what I loved about trail running was uh, the adventure and uh, the unknown. So I think it's like doing a project like the the Great Himalaya Trail or, or Lesotho, I think it's definitely the excitement of, of the unknown and all the planning that has to take place um, is definitely like a big appeal. But yeah, like I said, with all the, like, and I think um, chatting to, to Reno, who I've, I did the, the Great Himalaya Trail with and, and navigate Lesotho, it always looks a lot more simple when you kind of, plotted out on, on a map and then you actually go and do it. Like you say, there are a lot of challenges that, that come up. Um, I think like if I look at Lesotho, we didn't expect to have so much rain. Um, we had issues with, with, with dogs um, chasing us, um, which was yeah, quite, quite hair-raising. And then unfortunately also had an incident where on our second night, woke up with guys throwing rocks through, through our, our tent. Um, so, um, 
Yeah, I mean, on, on that that obviously just like kind of throws you throws you off completely. Uh, but I think think in many ways, I think like Lesotho taught taught me so much about my, myself as a as, as a person. Like I, I go back to to that incident where the um, like the her, local herdsmen were throwing rocks through through our, our tent. Definitely one of the most scary situations in in my life. But it was just yeah, it was quite a like surreal experience that this will happen and then. We actually managed to calm things down. Um, they thought we were trying to steal um, their cattle, and basically the herdsmen they get given a sheep, like one sheep per month, that none of the the cattle gets get stolen off. It's like the the um, sheep will give them like one one sheep a month, and for like the past six or seven months, um, apparently, like a lot of the the cattle had been stolen, so basically they hadn't been paid. Yeah. For like six or seven months, so they were like super, super on on edge. Um, obviously reacted like that, but then like as soon as the situation was calmed down, they were like super helpful. Like kind of helped us fill our bottles the next day. Um, yeah, helped us like kind of navigate the best best way and stuff. So yeah, I, I guess it's just for me, it was like a real opener, just understanding everyone's situation and everyone deals with with stuff differently. Um, but yeah, navigate. The the to um, definitely yeah lots of lots of highs and and lows and have you been I don't back think to the Bergsons? No, Rayner Rayner actually tried to talk me into it a few months back, and I said no. I still <laughs> still um, goes no yeah still got post traumatic stress from it. No, it was yeah no like a, a cool experience, but like I said, like yeah um, definitely quite quite challenging at times and i mean in retrospect looking back at it um what sort of lessons you feel have stuck with you from from lesotho and have you been able to sort of take any of those into your more recent successes yeah i guess like a lot of the the even like if i lump if i lump say lesotho with uh, the great malaria trail just like I think a big thing for me out of Lesotho was just like empathy, just like understanding other people's backgrounds. And I think it's so important, like living in, in South Africa and Africa, we come from such diverse backgrounds and often we can't understand like why, like we react the way we do. But I think just having a bit of, bit of empathy and, and understanding goes a very long, long way. Um, and then also uh, from, from the Himalayas, just, like the generosity of the of, of the people there uh, were incredible, and a, a lot of like places that I've, I've been to, like super poor areas like Mad- Madagascar, where people have nothing, but they're just so friendly and and welcoming. Like Lesotho, not Lesotho, sorry, the Himalayas. We would Rena and I would kind of run into a small village at like two, three in the in in, in the morning, and that when I say a small village, there were like five or six houses, knock on a door, people would like open up their doors, make us food, let us sleep in their beds. And there was never like an expectation of like doing it for money or anything like that. We would leave them something afterwards, but that was never the expectation. But I just think like living in in Cape Town on the back slope of Table Mountain, if someone knocked on my door at at three o'clock in the morning, I'd probably probably call the police. So it's just like, and like, (laughs) like, I mean, Raina and I would have never made it through the the Himalayas um, if it if it wasn't for, for for the generosity of of the people so yeah I think those are a couple of that big things sense. and then I guess when it comes to like what I've taken out as well just trying to not control too much um, and I, th- I think that's the beauty of of 
like the projects I've done is like just so much goes wrong and so much is out of your control. And it's just about like staying calm and just managing things. And where in hindsight, probably the biggest mistakes I've made at, at, at UTMB. Um, and I think a lot of like, it, it's become a mental challenge for me. UTMB it's, it's just trying to, because it's like become the pinnacle race, especially the last two or three years, like you want to be in like hundred percent perfect condition. You want everything to, to go according to plan. And then as soon as like, Oh, my stomach's not great or, um, something goes wrong. It's it just like throws your mind off. Like you're like, Oh, yeah. like I need to be hundred percent. So I, I think for me, that was like big going into, into UTMB this year, like, like discussing things with Jason. And when I, I signed up with Jason, I said, like, I want to be on that UTMB start line, like as best prepared as I can be. But then once the start gun goes off, like you just got to roll with, with whatever's kind of dished up. Um, even if you're not, not a hundred percent. That's brilliant, man. I think, you know, yeah. for, for our listeners that perhaps don't have an idea of what you achieved in Lesotho. So that was about, what, 1,100 kilometers, 33,000 meters of elevation over uh, how many days? 16 days or so? Yeah, I was going to say six, yeah, 16 yeah. days. And, yeah, which is which is incredible. I mean, it's a hell of an impressive, and it's certainly not flat. But the Himalayan Trail, give us a little bit of information about that. Yeah, so that was about a thousand six hundred kilometers um, at quite high altitude. Like some of the peaks you went over were like five thousand, or the highest peak we went over was just over five thousand five hundred meters, sure. Um, sure. and that took us. 24 days and I think it was about 85 or 90,000 meters of, of elevation gain. So, um, that like the Himalayas was a lot like longer and at higher altitude, but Ren and I both agree Lesotho was way harder. I think we actually, we learned a lot from, from the Himalayas, which helped us in Lesotho. Um, and definitely like, I think like, I mean, I think there's a, there's a good chance Ren and I wouldn't have made it out of Lesotho if we uh, hadn't learned what we learned from from, from the Himalayas. Um, I think just being, yeah, like less experience in the Himalayas, we try to force a lot more things. Um, it's weird because you're in this project and you get so invested in it, like your little bubble, like that little space is like your whole world. It's like you just have to keep keep going. Um, whereas if you're actually yeah. able to just step out of it and look at the bigger picture and realize that like actually like, you guys are just out in a, out in a long run. Like you just don't have to like <laughs> do anything too, too stupid. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Well, so, I mean, I, I have to, I, I have to put it out there. Uh, my wife, before she married me, uh, her surname was Crystal. Um, okay. so, uh, and, and, and I had seen Reino Crystal and all of that. So I thought maybe, maybe there's some connection there. It doesn't, doesn't seem to be some sort of connection, but I'm going to still yeah. claim it. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell her that there's that there's amazing uh, trail running um, genetics in that family. But uh, but um, t- talking about uh, Reno, um, you guys seem to have you know been doing a lot of adventures together. Um, what's the relationship like there? And I mean, uh, how, how long have you guys been running for? Just out of curiosity. How long have we been running together, or just together um, for? Yeah, together for. Yeah. So yeah, Ren and I first met in the at the Sky Run it was two thousand and twelve, um, and then um, yeah, it was yeah two thousand and twelve, and then um, yeah, it was two thousand and fourteen that we both did the the Drakensberg Grand Grand Traverse together. Um, but in like towards the, like 
end of, of 2013, we, we started spending some time together out in, in the mountains. And it, yeah, it was kind of from there that we've um, done a lot of adventures together. And yeah, obviously, when you share what, what we've shared, um, you do build a really close bond. I think it's like when you can see someone in there like, they're like the lowest of low and then also see them in the highest of high. And um, sure. I think it's, yeah, I mean, you, you fought, you form a really strong bond. I mean, even if I think of my Western States win in 2017, um, Reno paced me for, I think it was like a 20 or 30 K section. And it was like a crucial section for, for, for me where like I was completely on edge. If I pushed slightly too hard, I think I would have gone over the edge. And if I didn't kind of push hard enough, um, I potentially wouldn't have have won, but I think he like he understood me like knows me so well that he was like able to to um, kind of keep me kind of on that uh, tightrope of not, not not kind of falling off um, on on either either side. So yeah, we've got a really close friendship, and I think it's also more than just kind of doing it adventures to, together. Now we we chat chat a lot, um, and yeah, super super involved with with each other. Yeah, I think I. That, that's one of the really nice things about, you know, I mean, running such a special sport, but then also just the, the bonds and the friendships that you make through it. And even us road runners, we talk about the community um, that running brings and all of that. And I think, you know, trail running also has like that really special component component because I do think trail runners have it a little bit rougher than road runners. And you're 100% correct in saying, you know, you form really special bonds with people when you go through have things together and uh, by the sounds of it you guys have seen some shit so <laughs> nice to nice to understand that a bit more no for, for sure so right and you mentioned their western states and before we move on i just want to sort of talk a little bit about it, it's a, i thought it would be a nice intro into your other major races and your major wins uh before obviously your your attempts at utmb and all of that so obviously when you started your running journey you mentioned not so it was the nasla marathon i wasn't so sure which one it was and i read somewhere that you'd just done it because you couldn't enter the half marathon and your friends were doing it so you just went and did it and realized that okay i want to do something challenging so that's how you sort of that was your intro into into the trail running world right yeah so yeah basically it was last year at university and i always used to get up to the the nice festival but more for the the festival and but i thought studying honors now that i kind of needed to be a bit more responsible so i had a whole bunch of my mates that were doing honors with me they were all in for the half marathon and so i thought cool let me let me join them and and yeah try to try to enter but it was only like three weeks before the the race so unfortunately um or fortunately for me i guess entries are full so i thought like half marathon full full marathon kind of same same being young and, and naive and and a student so yeah i entered the the full marathon and and yeah finished it on on like very minimal training but really just i think really enjoyed that that feeling of fulfillment of actually achieving something that I didn't actually know if I could do. And certainly most of my, my friends that were studying honors with me definitely didn't, didn't think I could, I could finish a, a marathon. Um, and I think it was yeah, from there that the running bug bit um, came. Marathon? It was like about three hours, 15 or 
314 or maybe it was like 314 so Shippers yeah with minimal training that's um yeah i think that kills a lot of people's dreams out there that perhaps thought oh maybe on my first marathon with little training i can turn up to be a, a trail running icon one day in my life as well but yeah that 315 is hell of an impressive eh? um so thereafter you obviously then went on to enter the 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 desert races that's sort of where you sort of started with the trail running journey and then that developed into running you know trail races all over the world and i'm sure you've got extremely fond memories of all of these but i want to ask you about one in particular that has intrigued me in sort of in things that i've read about it the jungle ultra um that that seems like a hell of a tough tough event tough race difficult conditions very very remote area um how how was that experience yeah so i think like you said um like did the nice marathon and then um ran a few like local trail races and then yeah very quickly i mean i remember one like sunday afternoon i was extreming i mean googling extreme trail races, and i popped the four deserts website and I saw Dean Conazes was, was running it, the famous American yeah. ultra runner. Um, I just read his book. So I was like, cool, let me, um, also do one of these, these races and very quickly entered, um, and, you know, entered the, the Gobi Desert race. It was, was my first big, big ultra race. And, um, to be honest, when I first actually entered, I actually didn't even know where the Gobi Desert was. So I had to do a bit of like Googling and, and figure everything out. Um, but yeah, so that, that's where it all started. But then you mentioned, um, you know, another race I, I did, which is also a similar format was the, the jungle marathon, which basically the desert race and, and the jungle marathon, similar format. So it's generally over seven days. Um, the first four days you run about a marathon or just over. And then generally day five is the, the long stage. So you run anything from 80 to 100 kilometers. And then they've got a six stage, which, um, is normally a lot, a lot shorter, but it's like anything from, from 10 to, to 20 kilometers. So yeah, that's that. And then, and then these races are all like fully self-supported. So, uh, you got to carry all your own food for the seven days. Um, the only thing and all like emergency equipment, sleeping bags, etc. The only thing you, you are given, um, are rations of, of water daily. And then, um, in the in in the desert you provided with a tent um in the jungle you don't actually sleep in the tent you actually have to have to bring a hammock along so you have to yeah. sleep in a, in a in a hammock so yeah going back to to the jungle marathon it, it was actually in the amazon jungle and yeah I'd, um i probably in, in hindsight should have done a lot more research again i was still quite early on in in, in my career but i just remember getting there um we had to, yeah, you have to like bus into like the middle of nowhere. Then we jumped on boats and kind of went down these rivers. And then like finally we got to where the race start was and we camped out there the night before. Um, and they had the race briefing. Um, but I couldn't understand why like all these soldiers were around for, for the race briefing, but actually, um, they were the, the military police and they actually came to give us the, the race briefing. But to summarize it basically, in their race briefing, they just said like basically everything in the jungle has the potential to kill you, whether it's like the massive snakes, the crazy spiders, scorpions, you even like, like touch the wrong bark and that can, that can poison you. So, um, that was like a massive, like eye opener. And then obviously doing the race itself, um, like I saw everything from massive anacondas to khaki bars, which are basically giant seals with legs. 
uh, home of that can like chase after you. Um, some of the like the river crossings we had, they had like GoPros in the water, and they just like all these came and swimming around you. So yeah, I think I, I was very relieved yeah. to make it out there in in one piece. Um, I definitely wouldn't go. It was an amazing experience, but I guess a bit like with the the Lesotho circumnavigation, I wouldn't I wouldn't go back and do it. Do it again. Uh, I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of these experiences that you know, in hindsight, you wouldn't go back just just based on the fact of the the challenging nature of it. But also, I think the the fact that there's so much out there. I think that's the beauty about trail running in general. There's so many different varieties of it and different areas that you can go and do this this beautiful sport so we we've been talking so much about all these different experiences that you that you've had around the world and you know there's there's a big element of trail running that is that connection to nature um and i know you also mentioned in terms of like what you're sort of doing with your career right now it's kind of finding a purpose that is greater than than you as an athlete because obviously you've you've gotten into trail running you've done so much in the sport and now it's you're giving back through all the different elements that we we're going to chat about just now but how how much of that connection to nature is sort of what keeps you going back to trail running and doing these adventures just being out in the wilderness and and being able to sort of have nothing else other than just yourself and your inner strength yeah i think that is is a massive part of of why I, I trail run and growing up as a as a kid and even as a teenager i spent a lot of growing up in cape town i spent a lot of time at the ocean and surfing um, and i think it's for me like surfing or being in the ocean is very very similar to to trail running or just being out in the in the mountains and that's something i like i need um, i think for me like when I can't compete one day, definitely that doesn't mean I'll like hang up my, my shoes. I still want to be that old buddy that's cruising around the mountains where there's just hiking. I think it's having that, that connection with nature. So important. And for me, I've always said it's like my form of meditation or just being able to disconnect and, and be present and forget about like all your problems or all the world's problems and actually just be present. Um, I think it's so, um, so important. And I think it's also, I guess if you look, post COVID or even before COVID, just how like the sport is, is, is booming. Um, and I don't think it's because sure. people want to like, race each other. I think it's just people want to get out in, into to nature and, and the outdoors and be able to, um, disconnect from it. And um, I even know with, with me now, if I have like really busy weeks and um, like, I really just need to get out into, into the mountains and just like disconnect from everything and just kind of, be present and, and, and focus on, on kind of putting one foot in, in front of the other type, type thing. So for me, that's a, yeah, a massive, massive part of, of things. Um, and I think also I always say like to people like a long, a long run or being out in the mountain on your own for a while definitely can, can solve a lot of the world's problems. Um, often feel like, I don't know, life is so busy, so connected. It's like so heated, like, you in in the the moment like things get tense whereas i find sometimes if i just go out into the mountains even if it's just like a, a 60 minute run it doesn't have to be like kind of four days or super long like just being away from away from everything you can actually it just you can just like zoom out and actually just look at the bigger picture and realize like okay like that makes like sense like you don't need to be so like heated in, in, in the moment so 
yeah, I think it's so 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 good. I good to, uh, to be outdoors. It's a very interesting take because obviously, you know, from from us with a road running background, I think you can get into that similar space, but it's it's in a different way, yeah. right? So like say if I'm now just running at a specific tempo and I'm getting lost in my thoughts and I'm thinking about, as you say, trying to solve all the world's problems. But I find myself like when I am on trail, I'm, I'm trying to think so much about where my next step is going to be and where I'm putting my foot. And I actually find that hiking through the mountains is a better way for me to be lost in nature because just running sometimes is 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 a hell of a thing trying to run especially on very technical trails and i mean with you obviously you're you're a highly talented skilled athlete um, i think for the regular person it perhaps could be one of the reasons uh, for me personally that I, I prefer just getting into a rhythm on road than trying to be out in the trails and i love being out in the mountains and going for a hike but i find that as i mentioned when i'm running it's just one foot in front of the other and i'm not yeah. Trying to hit my head, you know. For sure. Um, yeah, I think um, I always say practice makes perfect. So I guess with me, I've, I've had lots of lots of practice. So if you're spending a lot of time on the trails. It does become second second nature. But I do hear you. Like when I came back from UTMB, now I spend time in Europe, and even before that, I was training on quite like non technical trails. I've like in the last three or four weeks started running on more technical trails again and, and all of a sudden like I wasn't feeling so local on my local trails. It took me took me a bit of bit of time to to get accustomed to to running on, on, on technical trails. So it's just getting used to that. But again, I, I think it's as you say, like the beauty about like running is you don't have to um like you don't have to run on the trails. Like yeah. you can run on the roads. Like my, my, my sister runs a lot of marathons um and She's got like two kids and like super busy and, and for her like she has to run every morning otherwise like she can't face the day type thing or it's like uh, that's like her her thing. Uh, so I, I, for me, you know, I've never really kind of distinguished between the two. It's even like I know you guys are joking saying a marathon is easy compared to trail running but I know for me probably when I hit 30 Ks on the, on the road, probably at the moment, 20, 20 Ks on the roads, my legs get, get really sore and, and, and heavy. So it's, uh, it's all, it's all relative. Even, um, I'll answer the question before, before you guys ask, ask me it. So I know like a lot of people say, when are you running comrades? Um, and <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I've got the ultimate respect for, for comrades runners and, um, hopefully I'll, I'll do it like one day but I mean um, for me currently now like I see myself more as a as, as a trail runner that, that that's what I um, enjoy but I guess just, just going back to it all like I mean yeah it's, it's cool that there are, are so many different aspects of, of running um, and even with trail running now like the sport's got a lot more commercial uh, like I'd say definitely post post COVID if you look at an event like UTMB it's been mm-hmm. Sport by Ironman, like it's it's definitely commercializing the sport in a in a big way, and obviously there there are the pros and, and cons of that. But I, I think think the beauty about trail running is you get these big commercial events, but then you also get an event like Western States, which is is also become a lot more commercial, but it's definitely got a like a very strong community feel. Or a race like the Hard Rock, which I'd I'd love to run again. Um, super super community, super core. Um, so I think I think the cool thing is like this space for, for for everyone, and then also 
like if you don't want to run like events or races and you just want to be out in the mountains, you, you can do that too. So I think that's the, the cool thing about, about running. Uh, so you mentioned at the beginning and also you just re-mentioned it again how sort of the professionalization of the sport and how it has changed and I'm sure you've seen a change quite a lot since 2008 and would you say that the main thing obviously there's a lot of young talented runners getting into the sport getting good sponsorships you know being able to take up trail running as their main their main thing their their profession which is fantastic uh and and i feel like trail running has always been so community driven you know everyone knows each other everyone is friends can have beers after after a race and that's something that i really love about trail running and the community that they've created throughout do you feel like the professionalization of the sport could potentially impact that or is there like you say events like hard rock that keep it you know keep it real to the to the core that are sort of upholding the what what trail running is about yeah i think like trail running like you mentioned isn't a very like interesting and exciting space in terms of yeah there's there's like a lot going going on it's become a lot more professional and uh, it's yeah, amazing to see how many young up and coming runners are able to, to do it on a full time basis um, and survive completely off, off, off trail running. And then from that, just seeing kind of the, the level um, of trail running, just kind of how, yeah, just on like a, like a massive um, upward curve, which is super exciting. Um, but again, there's also, I guess, the, the, the flip side in terms of events are getting bigger, more professional, more, more people to manage all those, those, those people. Maybe it doesn't feel as community, um, like focused and, and, and orientated. There, there are those events and, and an event like UTMB for sure. Like there's so many people, so much hype. It's not really like, um, an event you're gonna finish and sit down with your family and put out a picnic blanket and and some mates and kind of have have a few few beers and and chill like it's there's like way more to it but I, I think the cool thing is there are events that are way more um kind of focused on the community and on on the course so i do i do think there's there is something for for everyone but for sure they obviously um yeah i, I guess there are a lot of people don't think um, UTMB always headed is is good for the sport. I'd like to think it is. I mm. think it's just important that it's it's managed in the right way. And I even know, um, say from the elite athlete or elite trail runner point of view, we do have a like uh, we have uh, created like a, a group of of athletes that do address the various issues. And um, I, I think, yeah, I, I would say like without going too much into UTMB, I think they do take a lot of criticism at times, but I do have to give them kudos that for the majority of the time when they are flagged about issues, they do try and work on it. And um, like Catherine and and uh, Michelle um, Paletti are passionate about mm. the about the, the sport and I, I do feel it's headed in, in the right direction. Now, personally, I really enjoyed... Yeah. Um, just just watching UTMB the last couple of years it's been fantastic and I mean as someone that I mean I, I love the Alps and just just 
being part of it really i think the way that they've been broadcasting it the hype that they've been creating around it from an outsider perspective that hasn't done that much trail running i've really just i've absolutely loved it so uh, i agree with with what you're saying in terms of i think what they're doing right now is fantastic and i think it's 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 a it's a good intro for us to get onto the topic yeah i i first of all want to address the um the the comment that you made earlier about um, you you possibly doing comrades, um, I think we would we would absolutely um, welcome you with open arms, and I can't wait to see you do that. And please give us um, uh, at least a year in advance warning, so we can make sure that Nick and I sign up for the same for the same one, so we can witness that. Um, but yeah, I mean, talking about comrades as like the pinnacle of a road running event. Obviously, UTMB is also you know like the holy grail of trail running. I think it's something that, you know, everybody knows about. Even if you don't run trail, somehow people have heard of UTMB. So I think we do want to touch on it, but more more from your journey around UTMB. And I think let's, we can just start off with, you know, how was your um, how was your build up for UT, UTMB post, uh, post the injury that you talked about? Yeah, so like you said, UTMB has become like the pinnacle event and, um, or I guess the like the Olympics of of, of trail run, running, you could arguably arguably say say that. Um, but I guess it, it wasn't always like that when I first started like running like races. Like I mean, so I'd say probably second to to UTMB now would be an event like Western States. But I would say up until like four or five years ago, they were always like on a on a par. And then there was Leadville, there was Grand Raid of of Reunion on the Reunion Island, which just happened this this past weekend. Um, so I think, yeah, UTMB have done an amazing job at just kind of really um, growing the event and with the live coverage and just, yeah, really creating something something special. But, yeah, so, yeah, my UTMB build up this year, um, yeah, I think since signing up with, with Jason, I had a, an amazing preparation. Um, things were, were going well. Um, like I did the... Uh, the uh, George Ultra Trail this this year, the match, the hundred miler, yeah, and to qualify, and yeah, I had had a had a good good run there. I felt I felt strong, and then, or actually, I was going to say shortly after that, I, I went to Europe. But actually, unfortunately, just before heading to to Europe, I was actually back out in George, and I and I slipped and tore a ligament in my knee. And um, it, it wasn't like a full tear, but um, I thought, flip, here we here we go again. So yeah. People that don't know my history with UTMB, um, yeah, I'd started it at four times and, and never finished. So obviously it was a, a big deal for me this year to, to get it done. But um, I thought again, like, yeah, here comes the, the curse. Um, but I think it was actually a blessing in terms of actually I was forced to take two weeks completely off and then, yeah, I really managed to, to bounce back quite th- uh, quickly um, thanks to, to my support team managed to managed to get me back up and, and running quite quite quickly. And then, Got to to Europe um, a month ahead of time and joined the Salomon International team and we had a training camp out there and then stayed on and, and kept training and yeah things felt like really good and um, I think it was the best I felt going into the race and also just like the most the most confident I felt going into the, the race just like knowing that I'd done everything possible to to stand on the start line as best prepared um, as, as as possible. For, for for someone like me, sorry, I, I have to ask. Obviously, you've so you you said you you started it and you haven't finished it. Uh, what four times now? 
yeah. and then obviously this was one the, the first time that you finished it. What makes UTMB so difficult that you know um, a trail runner like yourself struggles to finish it? Is it just crazy elevation, or for me because I really I think I don't I don't know too much about it. Um, yeah, what makes it so challenging? Yeah, I, I guess the big thing like with UTMB um, and especially the last couple of of years, um, I think, and, and I think also like one of the reasons why it's grown so much and become so popular with elites is elites or up until like uh, two years ago, elites actually didn't need to qualify for the race. As long as you had a certain ranking, you were autom- you could automatically, um, you'll be given a, a race. Bib. Whereas for like a race like Western States, you have to race your way in with um, golden tickets uh, or like golden ticket races and a race like Hard Rock, you just go into a lottery. Led Bulls just got a lottery. So it's quite hard to get into those races or it's quite a process where um, yeah. UTMB you could just get in. So it always had super competitive racing. And I guess the best way to describe it is like at the start of UTMB, it's like throwing 40 eggs against the wall and like, the six eggs that don't break are generally the guys that, that, that finish it. And, um, yeah, there's, I mean, so the race has a very high dropout rate just because guys start off crazy fast and you either have a, have a good day or you, or you don't. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think UTMB, it's like the, the race is like very specific to, um, like the European conditions and yeah. in terms of just massive climbs. Um, you're getting like a thousand six hundred meter climbs, like like of elevation gain over like eight k. So you're just going up and down, coming down. It's super like non technical, so it's very fast running, like on almost like single track bike track. So you can really just pound your legs. So yeah, it takes a lot of a lot of conditioning to to get used to uh, the race. And then at the same time, now because there's just so much hype around it, just like the nerves um, before the race, just yeah, being being nervous, um, super super competitive. So I, th- I think yeah, that that's kind of some of the things that that make yeah. it so so challenging. But yeah, I, I think um, and I think up until this year with Jim Wormsley winning it, I know Courtley and um, a number of the European ladies have have won it previously. But traditionally, the race has always been won by a European. And I do do think they've got like a big advantage just growing up in that, that area and being able to yeah. do much so much training in those those those, those mountains. From, so from what I hear, also I just want to touch on it. I think it must be um, a lot harder for the pro athletes like yourself, just based off of the off of the level of competitiveness that you guys have and all of that pressure. Not to say that it's not challenging for anybody that wants to go there and just finish, but for you guys, obviously you mentioned the the paces is really fast um, and when when you're trying to you know actually compete in it that, I think that's where all the pressure comes and and what possibly probably results in the in the DNS just maybe pushing pushing way too hard that's just really interesting to hear from thank you um, sorry no Nick on to you yeah, no, Ryan, I was listening to a podcast with you the other day where you sort of mentioned that, you know, when you go into a race in general, you you can you can visualize the finish, you try and think about what that experience is going to be like. And you were saying how in your in your previous four attempts at a UTMB, you just couldn't even think what coming into Chamonix would be like. And obviously now 
knowing it's it's easier to ask you the question but uh in in terms of that mental strategy going into a race that you know you've you've historically struggled with uh you you've had multiple attempts at it where it hasn't gone well to the point where you know you're dropping out so early in a race where you know you're there for 100 miles but now 40ks in you're out i mean this this time around you you still struggled it wasn't and and that's i think obviously where you say that's the disappointment part of it but if you can maybe take us through sort of the the final few days building up to that event how you managed to sort of box that mental pressure and compartmentalize it and then actually take us through your day yeah so like basically the week before utmb it's always just just chaotic um i think Kind of every every trail runners in 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 Germany, there's loads of like media stuff, um, so it's very busy. I think luckily for for me this year, I definitely cruised a bit more under the, the radar. Like I wasn't kind of one of the, the favorites for for the race. So I think that was that was quite quite nice where I could actually just like chill out and be in my um, own headspace. But having said that, like like every day, there's one or two kind of sponsor commitments. Um, like I said, every trail runners in, in Chamonix, all the brands are there. So there's a lot, there's a lot going, going on and there's still like quite a, quite a bit of, um, stuff happening. But and I think luckily, like I have been around for a, for a while. So I'm like more used to that. But I, I think some of the new, like up and coming guys, like really struggle with it. And I think that's a big, big part of being able to, to, like put the race together it's not just like the race itself it's actually being able to to get in the start line and not be completely like burnt out or tired like you'll find like a lot of a lot of trail runners kind of spend a lot of time in the mountains because they like being on their own and kind of being away from it all but then all of a sudden before your biggest race yeah you you kind of pull in front of a whole bunch of people and you're doing community runs and 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 you've got to go to um, expo for signings and it makes it super, super busy. Um, But like I said, it was cool that I could fly a little bit more under the radar. Um, UTMB does start at six o'clock in the evening. So it's always quite, quite weird. Like you wake up in in the morning and and I always find that the first few hours of that morning take forever to pass. And it's just like, what am I going to do with the day? Like you want to start. And then all of a sudden you get to like, about 12 o'clock in the afternoon just fly, flies by. You almost like you want to try and slow, slow time down. But, um, yeah, go like UTMB because there's so many people at the, at the start. Um, I think for UTMB, the main, I think it's there about like four or 5,000 people, but you get like, you go into the start arch in like different batches, but you've got to be in there like 40 minutes ahead of time. But it's just like you're in there. It's like sardines. It's like, I mean, so you get there about five. 530 it's just so many people just so many emotions like um yeah I, like it almost feels like you're going to going to battle like it's yeah. just like super super in, intense lots of lots of nerves um and then you just kind of yeah they're waiting for the start and literally when people do start off it's just like a mad sprint um i even looked at my splits this year i think like the first three or four kilometers you're doing it like three and a half, three minutes, 40 sure. a kilometer for like the start of a, of a mountain that's hundred miles. So it's a super, super high paced race. And there's like a lot of emotions at the, at the, the, the start. 
so like UTMB traditionally is always like the first 40 Ks are quite hard to, to manage. Like I always say, like once you get through the first 40 Ks, you start at six in the evening and it gets dark at about nine, nine PM. So once it gets dark, um, it'll, you always find like things like kind of quiet so down. Yeah. But yeah, so that's like the, the lead up, up to, to the race. Yeah. It's, it's quite busy. This year for me, I had my family there. So that, that was pretty cool. Rayna was also there actually. Um, crewing for me so yeah i think that's yeah always been like really cool for me even some of the other big races i've i've done um a good friend of mine dean leslie who's from the african attachment and and wondering fever productions he he did a lot of films uh, um, on me and, and filmed a lot of stuff um he, he was always around for for the races and it was always cool to have him there it just feels like you've got a bit of like home with you and you just don't mm. like yeah, you just feel like you're at home. So I think those small things definitely make a make a big big difference for me. Like doing some homework with with Max because he was was out of school and doing a bit of like homework with him like the morning before the race. It just yeah, it just kind of keeps things a bit more real, which I think is is important for me, especially for a race like UTMB where I find in in the past I probably put too much pressure on myself going into into the race. And the race came. And uh, within within the first forty k's, you you felt fantastic. You felt good, and then obviously things started taking a turn for the worse. But you managed to pull yourself through it and actually get to the finish line. Um, what what happened on the race? I mean, that the, the stomach issues that you yeah. talked about um, were those things that you have experienced historically. And what do you think? I mean, how does that just happen in a race like that so early in a race? Where you know things like nutrition, yeah. we we spend so much time thinking about it and planning it and trying it. Um, yeah, good, good, good question. I guess um, so. Like once before, or once or twice, I have had 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 issues with nutrition at at UTMB, and I think like a big part of that is potentially obviously the nerves and stuff before the, the start of of the race. So your stomach's already under stress, and then it's such a hard hard paced race to start off with. You've got some really big climbs, so like a lot of the blood moves away from your stomach and it goes to your muscles. And then all of a sudden you kind of trying to throw down as much nutrition as, as, as possible and your stomach just can't absorb it. But yeah, for, for me this year, like the first 40 Ks went really well. It's definitely the strongest I've felt. I felt like I was like in control of things and uh, went through Notre Dame de la, de la Gorge, which is um, about 43, 44 kilometers. was super like, of just the mountains like lined with with people like cheering for you and then after Notre Dame de la Gorge that's where you kind of like head up into the mountains for the night stretch um, and the race is there for, for the next like 60 k's you, you're quite remote and yeah for the first 5 k's or so it was fine and then just felt a bit like um, I took in some nutrition it just like didn't sit right and then I actually thought um, and I felt quite thirsty so I drank a bit of water and then it yeah, just things just deteriorated. I just really struggled to get anything in and then eventually just even like water wasn't good. And again, like obviously from, from my past experiences this year, I was just like, just kind of stick it out and think of it as like a, as a long adventure. Um, don't, don't panic. It'll, things will turn around. And then, yeah, unfortunately things didn't, didn't turn around as quick as I, I hope. And then my legs started to get really heavy. And then, yeah, I was just really going, started going backwards and then I think it was after about three hours of, of, of that and uh, where like mentally I started to, to lose it 
the bit and then just like just wasn't not good kind of enjoying this like I, no i was just yeah i was going going backwards and then it was like a long de- or it was actually b- before that i just honestly like my game plan was to just keep moving forward um no matter what and get to to the finish line but i honestly thought i didn't know if i could could actually do that so i got to um yeah, to one of the, the the aid stations, and actually saw one of the the Salomon designers there, and I was like to him, like, "I'm done. There's no way I can keep keep going, um, Victor." And I said, "Like, where's your car?" Like, I mean, because he said he was um, driving back to Cormayeur, um, which is where I could see Renault was putting to me, and I could drop out. And I said, "Where's your car? Like, I'm gonna come with you. I'm done. Like, I can't can't do this." And 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 he just like looked at me and and said, "No, you're going to complete the you're going to complete the loop." So, um, in in a, in a kind kind way, basically Tough told life. me I wasn't getting it. Yeah, <laughs> but which was like really really good, and I, I kept going. But it was from there to all the way to Cormayeur, which is like another thirty kilometers. I just it was a death death march. <laughs> Even there's like a long descent down into Cormayeur of like ten k's. I was just walking, like people were just running past me, and I was just like. I can't can't do this, and then um, came into Tacoma Year, which uh, where a station where Rayner was, and I actually saw my coach Jason there, and I was like, "This guy, oh, things have gone seriously backwards." And I thought maybe he would like I'd already like built up in my mind that he would he would say like, "Just like pull the plug now, and there'll be like another event. Don't like burn all your matches um, on this <laughs> event. If it's not, not happening." But unfortunately, he told me like, "Your goal is to finish. Keep keep going. Like just." Look for the small victories now. You obviously you're not gonna kind of get your A A goal, but um, it's just about the small victories now. Um, which was yeah, it's kind of really um, insightful. He also said just kind of get some anti acid into into you, like your stomach's obviously in in inflamed. And so I went at the aid station, saw Rayner. Also spoke to Rayner. Said like, do you not think I should drop? And he was like, I think you need to need to keep going and get this race done um, but again it's up to you um, so I took a lot of time in there because basically for the, sorry no I was just going to say so no. nobody was telling you what you wanted to hear right <laughs> no and, and unfortunately or fortunately not um, but like the, the I think it was like for four hours up until um, Cormayeu like I hadn't eaten anything um, I was able to get like half a soft flask of soup in but like nothing so I was just running properly on like nothing and then at Kuma UA station I took the like some Schmecter like anti-acid in and I, I sat there for ages took in a lot of soup changed shoes and then kind of kind of yeah, got, got out of the aid station and, and kept kept going and then it was about two or three hours after that that um, at all the next aid stations I just kept drinking soup and then finally I was able to to start taking on some of my nutrition again and then um it was yeah, coming down from Col de Ferre, which is the high highest part of, of the route. I started dropping down and I actually felt like kind of my legs weren't feeling like kind of wood stumps again. I actually had a bit of spring in them. And it was from there. So for like the final fifty kilometers where I just yeah, I felt a lot better and I was able to pass people, able to get nutrition back in again. Um not as much as I would have liked to, but definitely my stomach had yeah, kind of um I was, yeah, I was kind of working again and um, yeah, I got around to, to the finish line. So yeah, super stoked. I actually stuck it, stuck it out and got it done. Obviously, Jesus, yeah. a bit like disappointed with, with the result, but I think like wanting to, to go back 
Um, I think I learned a lot from the, the, the race and the, the experience. And I guess the initial question, like what happened to, to my stomach, I still, to be honest, can't pinpoint it. I definitely think I probably took on too much nutrition early on um, with the added nerves of the of the race and the, the two days leading up to the race i did i've had it in, in the past before you just feel like super nervous and your stomach's just not not great and um, i have kind of got breathing drills and stuff i do to to over, overcome that and um, but i also think unfortunately after the, the himalayas just like 24 days of, of running non- non-stop and not taking in the best nutrition um i did like wreck my stomach quite a bit there so Ever since then, my stomach hasn't been as robust. Um, and I think I was always lucky in my early years that literally I could just shovel in whatever and, and I could keep moving forward where probably for, for a lot of ultra runners and, and I know that the elite guys like a big kind of, um, downfall where they kind of struggle in, in a race is not, not being able to, to stomach their nutrition. And obviously if, yeah, if you're not getting a nutrition, you, you can't run to your full potential. So, um, yeah. The term that you mentioned there, Ryan, I think that stands out for me as death march. I think there's nothing quite explaining the way that you feel at that point as, <laughs> as death march. It explains it perfectly. I mean, you just feel like you've got, you've got absolutely nothing. And I mean, at that stage, you're in yeah. the middle of the night, you're, you're alone. I think it must have been such a mentally tough place to be at eventually as well. So fortunately, no one, no one allowed you to quit, man. Exactly. <laughs> no, very, very grateful for that. And that feeling of coming into into that finish line, I mean, was and I know retrospectively you are disappointed with the result, but there must have been a part of you that was proud to be able to say that you, you pulled through this time, you know, you went through the death march and the, the, the 60Ks of no eating and you got yourself out of it. For sure. No, I think like, yeah, super, super proud, always amazing. I had my, my family at the, at the finish line, like Reina was, was there also again, talking about communities, uh, met some amazing people in, 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 in Chamonix, good, good friends like Rob and Jen having, having their, them there, Jason, my, my coach is there. So I, th- I think for me, it was, was, yeah, really special moment to, to get across that finish line. And also, like I said, I definitely had a lot of, um, kind of bad results at, 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 at UTMB. So it was nice to actually get it get it done and actually get a get a get a finish so yeah i was yeah really really stoked and also i guess um the last 40 k's i did finish quite strong i think i was back in about 140 odd Mm. position and i think i ended up finishing like 41st or something so i mean i I did pass quite a few guys towards the end so i think just that that um passing guys and and, and finishing strong definitely adds a lot to the finish and it's it's definitely got me motivated to, to come back and and give it another go uh, it just shows Absolutely. You, it just shows you that you know you can push past what your brain is telling you your body physically can handle it and it's just you know trying to find that extra gear i just i just want to say that i don't ever need to run UTMB ever because the man just painted it out for me <laughs> i think it's an experience that you got to try one day david you just got to be able to qualify no. that's the problem <laughs> no it's definitely yeah, it's, it's, I definitely, definitely recommend it. <laughs> yeah, we go, now with the system having changed in terms of being able to qualify for UTMB, I know it's not ranking based anymore, and you sort of have to go and gather these stones. Um, 
for for listeners that perhaps uh, have yeah. heard your story at UTMB and your story of perseverance of going back and achieving and you know when when you're almost all out and you you find that extra gear and now they really want to they want to go and test themselves out at UTMB it's not it's not quite a straightforward process as just signing up and and going to Chamonix um, how does one go about it yeah so getting into into UTMB is is quite a quite a process I guess as a for, for elites and for people just wanting to, to go and run and experience it. So basically, uh, UTMB have a, uh, a UTMB World Series where you've got to take part in one of the, the races of the, the equivalent uh, distance. So like if you want to run UTMB 100 miles, then um, you need to get in by like running 100 miles. Or if you want to do 100k, I mean, like CCC, which is 100k, and you've got to get in by running 100k distance. Um, so they've got, I think it's like they've added quite a few more um, over the past couple of months. So I think they've got like 28 events now. They do luckily have one in South Africa, the George Ultra Trail by by UTMB, matched by, by UTMB. So so you can um, get in through that. Basically, when you when you run one of the events you you gather stones and once you've got enough stones you can put your name into the lottery um, but otherwise if uh, you do back yourself to get a podium if you do podium at, at one of the the events if you get a get a top three um, you get automatic qualification straight into into um, the yeah the UTMB the, the finals which is in, in Chamonix. Um, so generally it does take guys two or, or three years to to get in. But yeah, it definitely like is, is is possible, and if you go onto their their site, there is like a clear clear way to do so. And as I said, yeah, as I said, I definitely highly highly recommend it. Um, I think being in Chamonix, if you're a keen trail runner, is um, yeah, just an incredible experience. And 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 as as I said, the sports definitely. I mean, it's definitely commercialized the sports. And I think it's yeah, making it like really um, exciting. It's yeah, I think it's a once in a in a lifetime experience to, to be there. And I mean, for you to be able to to keep on going, I mean, obviously over a career that's spanning many years now, you're still finding that motivation to to get up and run. Because I mean, sometimes you know after after you hit an event and it's it's really difficult to find that motivation and keep going and i'm sure for you you must have gotten to points in your career where you do feel that the injury setbacks the disappointing results and dnfs uh, all those things do you just do you utilize the negatives to really just fuel you and move you forward or is there like certain races that just you know say utmb is one of those races that you just get excited for and amped for and that's enough motivation to keep on training i mean how do you keep that mental strength going and and just keep running yeah i think for for me it's always been about like mixing things up so when i first started my career i did like some of the multi-day um races and then uh with where the like the trajectory of, of the sport was going i started doing a lot more like 100k races and then with some some 100 milers and even like before that a lot of the my early hundred milers were like Leadville or Western States, which is traditionally a lot, a lot flatter. Um, and then more recently, focusing on a race like like Western States, and also I'd love to to be able to get into to Hard Rock. So definitely like mixing up the races, but then also mixing up racing and projects, like doing like projects in, in the Himalayas and, and Lesotho. I think having a like 
yeah, just really being able to mix things up is, is what kind of kept me um, mentally fresh. And I, th- I think that's the, the biggest thing. Um, I, yeah, I definitely pride myself in, in having like one of the like longest careers in, in this kind of trail running space. And I think, it's, yeah, I guess now sitting here, there's probably very few races that like really like mentally excite me. Um, so I, I think for me, it's, it's really about like focusing on those like, a UTMB or, or hard rock. But I, I think it's cool. Like having a, an experience like UTMB this year, I almost feel like more ma- motivated next, mm-hmm. next year to, to come back. And I, I think that's the beauty yeah. about the sport. It's, it keeps me evolving as an athlete, but also as, as, as a person. And it's, it's like, as I said, like having the, the stress fracture at the end of, of last year, I almost felt like I was completely starting from scratch again. And like, Let's say you do that first hike and like your calves are cramping, you're falling all over the trails. You're like, can I actually do this? And then you start running again and everything just feels terrible. Like you've got to like walk the, the climbs and you feel super unfit. So I think, yeah, I, I think just that, that whole journey. Um, and like, as you mentioned, those having those, 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 those setbacks, um, yeah, I guess having setbacks at the time suck and it's very easy to look back on things retrospectively and kind of think, oh, like that was good and like all happened for a reason. But like when you're in that, that moment, um, it's, it's, it's horrible. But I think it's cool that um, it's allowed me to keep like evolving as, as a person. And I think for me, I'll keep um, competing as, as long as I think um, I'm Brilliant. still evolving. And I, th- I think also for me, maybe like physically, maybe, I plateaued out, but I, I think there are other ways. Like I'd like to think, like mentally, um, and in other other areas that I can keep evolving. That that will um, hopefully allow me to to get the the results I want. Brilliant, man. Um, awesome. I I wanted to ask: can you can you also maybe just share with us some of your you know future races that you are that you're thinking of of doing, um, so that we can also just keep keep an eye out for yeah. those. Uh, yeah, just uh, what, what's exciting you? What's got that? That what's stoking the fire, sort of thing. Yeah, so I, I guess like big, big races. I, I mentioned them definitely. Um, going back to UTMB next next year or the Hard Rock Hundred Miler. Um, I've won the the Leadville and Western States Hundred Miler, so it'd be awesome to to run the, the other other big one in America, Hard Rock. But it's quite a quite a hard lottery to to get into. And then um, I'm hoping to to run Ultra Trail Cape Town Hundred um, K. Um, I, have, I haven't been there for the last couple of years, and yeah, it, it's got me pretty pretty fired up. But I think wanting to with kind of wanting to to go back to next uh, UTMB next next year, I'd like to do a little bit more like competitive racing, um, and I think. Ultra Trail Cape Town being on my back back door doorstep and also always getting a, a strong international feel. I'm pretty excited to to go back for for that. So I just yeah, I just kind of see how this week of of training goes. My legs have been feeling like a bit a bit tired. So I just I just, I just want to make sure that like mentally, I mean like physically, I, I'm kind of yeah, good to good to go. But yeah, so hopefully. Ultra Child Cape Town 100k to, to wrap up sure. the wrap up the year. UTCT, yeah, that's very <laughs> exciting. Eh? Maybe that's another yeah. trip that Davey yeah. and I need to take down to to come and watch. It looks like it's going to be an awesome event this year around exactly. as well, man. And and yeah, and, always it's exciting. And and obviously Cape Town being close to you, there's a couple of events that you sort of hold very dear to your heart down there. Uh, obviously the 13 peaks that 
that you've started and i mean that looks like a hell of a a, a thing i think we can challenge davey to try and, and and go do it one day as well but uh, and and the cape town trail marathon that that you've been heavily involved in um is that sort of what you're talking about when it comes to the community work and also say uh giving giving back to the community through like your solomon trail camps and and those types of things yeah for sure i think um as i said 13 13 peaks is something like i'm really passionate about um basically in a in a, in a nutshell it's like a concept i created where you take 13 peaks in and around table mountain and and, and the cape peninsula and so it's like 100 k's um, and you can do it over multiple days you can do it in one day or two days so it's really for me it's it's just about getting people out onto the mountains. And what's been really mind blowing for me is that just like how many people have just like kind of hiked the, the route. So it's, yeah, it's just to hear their stories. It's just been yeah incredible. Um, and just seeing people getting out on, on, on the route. So that's something I'm very passionate about and, and growing. And then, as you mentioned as well, Cape Town trail marathon, uh, yeah, really, really cool to, to partner with, with, with Cape Town marathon and to try and follow in their, their footsteps and, and create um, a world-class trail marathon event so yeah that's something I'm, I'm passionate about and i think with with cape town trail marathon it's also i guess a lot of people say well like why don't you have like a hundred mile event that's your speciality or like something longer and i think for me it's important about getting as much people into the sport as possible and i think the best way to start is kind of through the shorter distances and um so yeah, I think that's the thinking behind the the marathon. Um, and and like you you said, I think for me, like trail running has has given me so much. I feel it's important to to give back. So also being involved with with Salomon and and the Live to to Run Run Foundation. And yeah, it, it's been like very very cool to to be able to um, give back and also just try and get as many people into the sport as as as, as possible. Um, and I think it's just yeah, as, as I guess. South Africa and Africa, amazing place, but there is, is a lot of, a lot of poverty. Um, and I think just, yeah, giving, giving young kids like hope and, and showing them that like, if they put their mind to something, anything is, is possible. And I think like one of the, the greatest vehicles of, of doing that is, is using sport. Um, mm. so yeah, I'm, I'm really passionate about that and, and just, yeah, doing, doing something, good with with um the experiences i've I've had brilliant ryan i think you know it's been it's it's such a pleasure to see like where you're at in your career still super passionate about the trail event like the actual racing and running and feeling overly motivated like now to still go back to utmb and even perform better but not just that like how you've come full circle you know you've gone to the point where you're now giving back to the community you are heavily involved in in the events you're setting up opportunities for people to run and get into trail running i love the fact that you mentioned sort of how it is so much more accessible to look at an 11k or 22k or 46k than just say 100k or 100 miler you know it just it it, yeah. it's so much easier for people to say oh well I'll, I'll just go do the 11k get onto the trails enjoy it and actually that's that's where the passion begins you know and i i just want to ask you i mean obviously when when you started your your running career 
Um, did you ever envision it becoming what it has become? I mean, you obviously realized that you had talent from early on, from going and winning the races that you were sort of arriving and winning and, and you were dominating at the beginning. Uh, did you envision it coming full circle like it has and always wanted to get back into the giving back? Good, good, good question. Yeah, I, I don't think I ever thought like it would stand as as long as it as it had. But I, I guess for me, um, like when I started out my my career, like there were very there weren't that many um, like kind of fully professional athletes. Um, and I think someone like Dean Conazis, um actually taught me a lot, and I was very grateful that I, that I met him at the Gobi Desert Race and and then the Sahara. I think he taught me taught me a lot and he said something really interesting to me after the, the Sahara Desert race. I was just asking him about sponsorships and stuff and he said like uh winning races won't get you won't necessarily get you sponsors. Um and at the time to be honest, uh, I thought like because I'd beat him beaten him at at the past two races that like he was like sour grapes. But it was something like I thought thought about a lot and I like I mean it's probably the most valuable word someone's said to me and, and really made me realize that like, yeah, obviously it's important to do well and I wouldn't be sitting here if, if I hadn't won certain races or been on, 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 on like the podiums. But I, th- I think it's so important to, to be an all round person and, and be like a good ambassador for the, the sport and, and be like passionate about what you do. So I, th- I think that was like, yeah, really, um, like important for me but yeah i guess just going going back yeah I've, it's, it's been yeah crazy to think yeah. that i've been running professionally now for like 16 years now and had some really cool partners along the way and also most of my partners sponsors i always call them dream givers are, are still like the same partners now than what i had from, from the start which i'm really proud of and i think they've also yeah kind of really cool that they helping and supporting me in also being able to, to, to give back and, and create opportunities for, for up and coming trail runners, but also just like your know, kids in, in, in general and, and hopefully up, uplift them in a, in, in a positive way. Brilliant, man. I think um, this has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, I'm just, I just want to express my gratitude and say we, we're so grateful for you taking the time to chat with us extensively today. And I think, it's a, it's a good example today on how to go about making a trail running icon <laughs> and yeah. we, we we well yeah just thank you um it's been super insightful and we wish you all the best with the remainder of the year we hope that the the legs come back strong and we're gonna we're gonna keep our eyes peeled on that uh build up to utmb next year and we'll be rooting for you all the way man awesome yeah thanks so much guys really cool to chat and yeah i look forward to chatting and yeah all the best your side too thanks for all you guys are doing for for the sport as well i appreciate it thanks so much ryan man thank you for listening to another episode of making a runner we hope you enjoyed it and found value in the show don't forget to rate and leave a review on your favorite streaming platform and remember to share with your running buddies follow our journey on our socials and feel free to engage with us on all things running We wish you a pleasant run wherever the road or trail may take you. Bye for now.